0: Hey, good morning to you. I am Carl Falk. This is the Falcon Around podcast. Hope you're having a good Tuesday morning. Do you feel it? I, it, I don't mean to go the whole, you know what the rock, or you smell what the rock is cooking, but the, the cooler air, the cooler nights, hitting weather. Football is around the corner. I don't know if it's the best time of year, but man, I, I absolutely love it. Two days away as we stand from the NFL season opener, Certainly going to talk a ton of NFL football today. I had the pleasure, and I do mean the pleasure, of calling a high school football game last weekend for TV. Great game. Going to talk a little high school football. College football back and you know, as, as much as the games were great, to me, there was something much more significant. So I'm going to talk college football. And oh yeah, it's September. There are pennant races. There's meaningful baseball. And I've got other stuff, too, as well. So welcome aboard. Let's start with where we generally start on this podcast with the Buffalo Bills. Bills opener is Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's going to be electric. And that statement is an understatement beyond belief, in my opinion. Through last year, when COVID didn't allow fans in the stadiums. The Bills went from, you know, this team's playing pretty good and the coach, he seems to have a pretty good idea. I don't know about the quarterback, big arm, a lot of athleticism to, you know, Sean McDermott's one of the best coaches in the league. Josh Allen's an MVP candidate. This Bills team's got depth everywhere. They're a contender. They lost the AFC Championship game last year. This year, expectations are at least to match last year's production. How do they do that? Well, to me, looking at the Bills and looking at what they have in front of them, when they take the field Sunday, I'm not sure the Ralph is ever going to be as loud or has ever been as loud. And you think of all the great games and the great moments, the playoffs during the glory days. I'll put this Sunday... The crowd reaction up against any of that, because the crowd will be back. Bills Mafia will be jumping through tables. They probably already started. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the camper lot is already full. I know the Pagoulas are trying to do whatever they can to limit the tailgating and clean up the image of the Bills. Good luck with that, because the Bills Mafia... They're going to get their moment, and it's going to start Sunday, and they're going against the traditional power and the Steelers, and I think this game is going to be a very good football game. I really do. The Bills are going to try to duplicate what they did last year, 13-3 and in an AFC championship berth. How do they do it? Well, first off, let's start with Josh Allen. He is an MVP candidate. Last year, he worked himself into a situation that literally nobody saw coming. I shouldn't say nobody saw it coming. But a year ago now, if you said Josh Allen's an MVP candidate, people would have just laughed you off the air. Josh Allen went from a guy who you worried about his completion percentage getting to 60 and he almost had a completion percentage of 70. He went from a guy who many people thought was a joke of a pick at number seven to literally the best young quarterback in the game other than Patrick Mahomes. And that in itself was a huge transformation this year. What does Josh have to do? In my opinion, do much of the same. And, you know, every year you look to get better. Every day you look to get better if if you're a competitor. You want to improve what you do every time you do it. I'm not sure how much more room for growth there is with Josh Allen, but this year's goals to me for him, complete 70% of your passes. The way the offense will be run this year, it, it's almost a New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees style offense. A lot of quick passes, a lot of things over the middle. You've got Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders in the slot. You look at the ability on the outside of Stephon Diggs, the big play ability of Gabriel Davis. There are a lot of spots for Allen to go for with with the football. And in year four, his pre-snap reads should dictate quick release, quick throws, matriculate the ball down the field. And I I expect 70% completion percentage from him. Then the yardage. It's got to be a minimum of 4,000. I'm going to put 4,500 as the goal because that's, I think, a very attainable goal in a 17-game season. Remember that now. We're talking about a 17-game season. So a 4,500-yard season should be the goal for Josh Allen. And then total touchdowns. I'm going to go with 40, and I think that's lower than maybe it should be, but 40 total touchdowns. 35 through the air, 5 on the ground. I think that's an attainable goal for Josh Allen. It's basically two and a half touchdowns per game, and I think that's a realistic goal. I don't want Josh Allen to run the way he did his first couple of years in the, in the league, but at the same time, it's still a weapon for him, and there's going to be situations. I, I don't want the called runs. I want the everything breaks down, he flees the pocket, gets eight, slides down, first down, keep the chains moving. That's The running that I want to see from Josh Allen, maybe down in the goal line, bootlegs and things like that, where he gets in quarterback sneaks, obviously, and short yardage, still going to be a very big part of it. So, a lot of pressure on Josh Allen to repeat it. He's been paid like a franchise quarterback. He is a franchise quarterback. He needs to play like the running game. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary. I've got 1,200 combined yards for these guys, and that might be lofty because Brian Dayball doesn't like to run the football. Then again, with the weapons he has in the passing game, why should he? But I really think that this team, in order to get to where they're going to be, to win the games that they need to win, they've got to be somewhat balanced on offense. They've not been balanced in the past, and you look at... The games down the stretch last year that were meaningful, especially that AFC championship game, there was very little balance in that game. I think they need to develop a good enough running game that at times when teams are selling out for the pass, playing nickel on first down, run it between the tackles with your two guys. And Zach Moss, the bigger of the two, but I think Devin Singletary is capable of running in between the tackles as well continue to do that and try to create balance and by balance i don't mean a 50 50 split run pass if it's 70 30 i think that would be an improvement over last year realistically i'd like to see somewhere 65 35 split pass to run and and, you know you're still using josh allen and his receiving core but again don't let them just sell out on the pass. Once those pass rushers start pinning their ears back, slip Zach Moss in between the tackles. Gain a quick six yards on first down without anybody having to work real hard in the passing game. I think it's imperative, especially early and especially against a team like the Steelers with potentially TJ Watt. I think that's an important thing. Stefan Diggs needs to have another big year. I want to see 1,300 yards, and I think that's extremely, extremely attainable for him. I want to see Cole Beasley have another 800-yard season. He came close to 1,000 last year, but I think 800's realistic. And frankly, Emmanuel Sanders and Gabriel Davis, they need to have 700 yards each between them. Those are the goals I put forth. I have no goals for Dawson Knox and Tommy Sweeney. My goals for them are to catch the ball when it comes your way. And with Dawson Knox, that's a problem at times. I want to see them make the plays when opportunities present themselves. That offensive line, they need to stay healthy. And in between the tackles, the tackles I'm not worried about. Daryl Williams, Deion Dawkins, I think they're going to be very good at tackle again this year. I'm a little worried about the guards. I'm worried about Cody Ford. He has yet to show he was worthy of that second-round draft pick. Potential's still there. You've got depth with Ike Boker. There is certainly an opportunity for Ford to hold him off, but I wouldn't be surprised if Boker's the guy who gets that starting position eventually. I know the Bills would love for Ford to win that job, but with Feliciano and Morse on the other side, you're solid in the between the tackles, but I don't think you're good, and I think that could be a problem. So one area that I'm a little bit worried about, defensively, they've got to do better stopping the run, and Starla Tulele, and I've talked about it all year, Starla is the key here. If he does what he does well, take up tackles, take up blockers, I should say, to create movement for his other players. Ed Oliver should benefit greatly from that. Ed Oliver had a good preseason, showed some quickness, showed some penetration. If Starla Tulele does what he does, I expect Ed Oliver to take that step forward this year, showing he was worth the ninth overall pick. That's important. The other benefit of Star Tulele is Trey Edmonds, keeping people off his feet Letting him shoot gaps, make plays in the holes, not make plays down the field in the run game. That's an important step. So the, the defense needs to be better stopping the run. I think the pass rush is going to be better this year. I like the amount of numbers that the Bills have. In pass rush situations. A guy like A.J. Epinenza can go in between the tackles and play defensive tackle in pass rush situations. Jerry Hughes still going to be the key to the pass rush, but you look at a guy like Gregory Rousseau, his length and athleticism, bringing him in on pass situations, I think there's a real opportunity there for him to be an impact player even though it's in somewhat of a limited role in his rookie year. The biggest thing to me in the secondary, and I I think this is going to be fun to watch, Milano and Edmonds need to continue to improve, stay on the field. That's the linebacker breakdown. Pretty pretty deep right there, right? What I want to see is Levi Wallace to just say, you know what, enough with this crap. Just pay me because I'm good. I want him to establish himself, not as, well, it's either him or Dane Jackson, it's either him or Josh Norm. Every year, Levi Wallace seems to be the guy that they try to move out. How about this year, Levi become the guy that is solid across from Tredavious White. You know Trey White's going to be your lockdown corner. Poyer and Hyde are as good a pair of safeties as there are in the league, in my opinion. So... Levi Wallace is going to be the weak link but take that step forward and, and show everybody that you're the guy how do we look at the bills well I, I broke down games into three categories games that they should win games that they could lose and games that could go either way and and I'm going to start with the games that could go either way and They could go either way, but they should win them both because they're both at home. There's two of them. And one's against the Washington football team. And while everyone's going to joke about the Washington football team because they got fits, the best defense in the NFL in 2021, in my opinion, is in Washington. That defensive line, Jonathan Allen, and, of course, Chase Young, they are nasty. That's a damn good football team on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, they've got talent as well. And Fitz, you know he's going to do what he does, throw it around and throw it throw it away. That's going to be a tough football game for the Bills, and I'm intrigued to see how that one plays out. The other toss-up game is the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are a team that have depth everywhere. Not sure what to expect from Carson Wentz, and I don't think anybody should be sure what to expect from him. If you talk to people in Philly, he's done, he can't play. You talk to people in Indy, he's great, he's the best quarterback they've ever had. I'm exaggerating a little there. But somewhere in the middle is where Carson Wentz is. If he's good, and I should say healthy, because he's dealing with a foot issue, but he should be okay to go opening day then they're going to be really good. That's a deep roster, and that's going to be a tough game. So those are two really good teams coming into the Ralph to play the Bills. The wins that I see, the definite wins, are the Steelers game on opening day, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Bills are playing at home. The other part of it is I think Ben Roethlisberger is shot as a quarterback. I think his arm strength is a problem. He could still play a little bit, but not as good as the Steelers need him to. Their offensive line's a little weak as well. Houston's the worst team in the league, in my opinion, this year, in large part because they've got a quarterback situation unlike any we've seen in a long time. So they should win that. The Bills will split, in my opinion, with Miami and New England. Those are splits. So we've got... Two losses and two wins there. They should win both games against the Jets. Jets are a bad football team in that they're very young, inexperienced. They've got a quarterback who's a rookie. Bills need to be able to take advantage of that. Jacksonville is going to be a team that's going to be fun to watch this year because there's a transformation going on in Jacksonville. Not going to be there yet, but Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer Will turn that thing around, in my opinion. The Saints, the Bills play down there on Thanksgiving night. I'm not sold on Jameis Winston in Sean Payton's offense. I I think Jameis Winston's a good quarterback, and I think he can clean up some of the things that went wrong in Tampa, but I'm not sure he's a fit in that offense. It's going to be fun to watch how it goes. New Orleans is a good football team, but the quarterback situation is certainly questionable. The Falcons are a team that the Bills have to win that game. Same with Carolina. They're just not very good. The losses I mentioned, I expect a loss against Miami and against New England in division. I don't think the Bills win in Kansas City. I think that's a real tough game to win. At Tennessee, Bills. it seems as though they're cursed down there. Go back to home run throwback or Music City Miracle, whatever you want to call it, the forward lateral that was. I'm good with that one. That's a place I just don't think they win. At Tampa, is going to be brutal. So what I have for the season is the Bills finishing 12-5. and Good enough to win the AFC East. Not good enough to host the AFC Championship, in my opinion, but good enough to host a first-round playoff matchup. So that's where I see the Bills finishing. I'll get to where I see them going in the playoffs after I break down the rest of the league. Oh, by the way, I expect this out of the Bills season. And and, and it's going to be interesting to see how the fans and media react to this. First six games of the season, Bills will be 3-3. and And I think people might get really nervous about it and might get really upset about it but the schedule out of the gate is pretty difficult, so something to keep an eye on as well. Here's what I see the rest of the AFC. In the AFC North, I think the Browns are the team that are going to come out of that division. That's a really good division. Even the Bengals are better. The Bengals aren't going to be good, but offensively, they're going to put up numbers. I think The Steelers are going to be good all around. Again, I'm not a believer in Ben Roethlisberger anymore. Hall of Fame quarterback, first ballot Hall of Famer, not a Hall of Fame guy, but a Hall of Fame quarterback. And I think this is a year of transition for the Steelers. I like Najee Harris a lot. And I think if he had a better offensive line, that that kid could be the strength of the Steelers offense. Not Ben Roethlisberger, but I'm not sure about the line, not sure about Ben. As for the Ravens, they've already had some injuries, and I I think they're a really good team. I love Lamar Jackson. I love watching him play. I still want to see him become a guy who can bring a team from behind, and he hasn't yet done that. He's so good in front, playing with the lead, because he's so good with his legs as well as his arm. But Until he becomes the guy that, when you're down 10 points, can lead his team to two touchdowns in the last six minutes of a game, I'm going to hold that against him. He's a hell of a quarterback. He's just got one more hurdle that he's got to get. And it is for the Browns, their defensive line is the second best in football. Only the Reds, I'm sorry, the Washington football team have a better. Defensive line than the Browns. Miles Garrett is an absolute beast. I think offensive line, Wyatt Teller is the one that got away for the Bills. And it's funny, you know, I talked about the interior, of that offensive line being a little lacking for the Bills. Wyatt Teller somehow he was traded because he wasn't going to make the Bills. They got a fifth round pick for him. He's become what they thought he could become when they drafted him in the fifth round a couple years ago. So you look at that Browns, Jedrick Wills on the left tackle taking over from Joe Thomas. It's like seamless transition there. That's a very good offensive line. Chubb and and Kareem Hunt, the best one-two punch in in running backs in the league. Beckham back this year. You've got Jarvis Landry. If Baker continues to progress, the Browns should be really good I can't believe we're in a we're in a world where the Browns and Bills are two of the best teams in football, but that's where we are. Really like the Titans. I really like what's going on down in Tennessee. You look at the offensive line, what they do with Derrick Henry, over two thousand yards last year. He's such a physical back. One of these years, Derrick Henry is going to be injured and have problems because of the number of carries. I don't know if it's this year, but this is a guy who's so big and athletic late in the season. When guys get a little tired, man, you do not want to have to tackle that big man. And he is a big, big man. But Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback. And I know people still have a hard time wrapping their heads around that. You look at A.J. Brown with Julio Jones, they've got the receivers, they've got the offensive line. There's talent on the defense like the Titans a lot in what's become a very good top-heavy division. Again, the Colts and Titans, very good in that division. The bottom half, you've got two teams that are going to be lucky to win six games between the two of them. Out West, once again. Kansas City Chiefs. It's their division to lose. As long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are there together, there's going to be opportunities. Tyreek Hill, scumbag person, great player. He's His speed makes everyone else better around him. I think Clyde Edwards-Lair last year had a, a very high expectations as a rookie running back. This year, the expectations may not be as high, but the production may be higher. He was actually very good as a rookie last year, just maybe not as good as some people would have thought. The wild card teams, Colts and Ravens. So those are your six Teams that are going to have an opportunity. I think there's other teams that'll be in the mix. I think the Patriots will be in the mix. I'm, I'm very intrigued this year by the Patriots. What they did spending all that money defensively they should be good. Offensive line should be better. The running game should be okay. I still don't think they have any talent at wide receiver. Not big-time talent anyway. The two tight end thing worked when you had Gronk and the killer, Aaron Hernandez. Does it work now? I'm not sure how healthy those guys are going to be. Hunter Henry already dinged. So we'll see how it goes with Mac Jones, but it's going to be fun to watch. The Dolphins are going to be a very good football team. It's all about Chua. He's got weapons now. They've upgraded the position. I really like Jalen Waddle on the outside. Should be fun to see what happens there, and I think Brian Flores is going to continue to grow that defense. Secondary, as long as Xavier Howard is happy, I shouldn't even say happy, on the field, he and Byron Jones are the best tandem of cornerbacks in the league. So very good there. I mentioned the Steelers before. It's all about Ben. If Ben is good, the Steelers are going to be a playoff team. If he's not, it might be the end of an era there. The Chargers are going to be better. And I don't know about Justin Herbert, if he's going to take a step forward. But if he does what he did as a rookie, that team is going to be really good. And remember this name, a guy that When he came into the league, he was one of the best players in the league. Derwin James, safety for the Chargers, can't stay on the field. To this point, he's healthy and good to go. Add him to that Chargers defense. Bosa's as good as there is at the defensive end position. I think the Chargers are a team to keep an eye on. And then there's the Raiders, who I think are good everywhere, but they don't have a standout anywhere. If... If you look at that team, it's like, who's their best player? Their most popular player might be their coach, John Gruden. And I think he is somebody who might be a little overrated. The Raiders are in a tough, tough division. And it's going to be a situation where you look at them and and they could be really good. But I expect them just to be okay. The NFC sucks. I'm going to tell you right now. I was looking at this this morning. And I'm thinking, well, you know, there's going to be a, a team that surprises me. Nope. The NFC is terrible. Every team I mention is going to have a limitation except for one, and I don't think they're good enough in the end. But we'll get to that. The Washington football team comes out of the East because who else is going to? Dallas? They don't have any defense. The The Giants? I'm not yet ready to believe in Daniel Jones, and if Saquon can stay on the field, maybe, but I, I still don't like their defense either, and Philly's just got way too many questions everywhere, and I'm not sure I'm down with Jalen Hurts. I, I really am not solid. So there it leaves Washington, and they've got Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. You build a defense. You've got a good offensive line, so defense and run the football. And you bring in Fitz, who's going to throw it all over the field, and Terry McLaurin is as good a wide receiver as there is in the league, and I mean that. But Fitz is going to throw it away. He's going to give it to the other team. You know he is. I love the guy. He's a cockroach. You can't kill cockroaches. You can't take away Ryan Fitzpatrick from starting in the league. He's a cockroach. He's played for every team in the league twice. You know, when you look at Pro Football Reference, In that picture, if you're watching on YouTube, fantastic. When you look at the jerseys on Pro Football Reference, when you look up a player, his takes up two pages. He's literally played for a third of the teams in the league. It's it's, it's truly an amazing feat. The NFC North is a bad division. The Lions should be better, but Dan Campbell's a reincarnation of Rex Ryan, so I'm I'm not buying in there. Just another coach, but they've got a little bit of talent. But now Jared Goff takes over for Matthew Stafford. What do we expect there? I expect more of the same. That's a six-win team. Tampa, I'm sorry, the Vikings, I really like the Vikings. I really do. Dalvin Cook is spectacular. They've got very good talent on the wideouts. You look at Thielen and what they did last year, throwing the football all over the place. They're so good, so good. I just don't trust them. I don't trust Kirk Cousins in big games. And then there's the Bears. The Bears are such a good organization. Their best quarterback in the team's history is Jim McMahon, who had two really good years. And they've got a prospect who could be the best quarterback they've ever had in their franchise. And they're going to start Andy Dalton week one. I'm going to get to coaches that are going to get fired early later. The first one that's going to get fired is Matt Nagy. He might not make it out of week one. That division is the Packers to lose. Aaron Rodgers made up with the Packers brass. There's going to be good things coming for the Packers this year, mostly because of the fact that they're in a division that's theirs to lose. And the Packers are going to be the team that hosts the NFC Championship game because they're going to win thirteen games in division or thirteen games by default. It's crazy. Tampa, they're running it back, and there's a lot of older guys on this team. The only question I have. Is Tom Brady at 45 still going to be able to play 17 games? And Dominican Sue at this point in the league, is he still good for 17 games? JPP, all these veterans, can they continue to play at this stage? But you look at the rest of the division, Carolina's rebuilding. I like what Matt Rule is do, uh, did, did year one. Is Sam Darnold the answer there? What do you have with Sam Darnold? Atlanta they're going to be very good offensively. When have you heard this before? But their defense sucks. Can you give Matt Ryan a defense once? He's going to go down as one of those quarterbacks that people are going to be shocked when he's a Hall of Famer. But his numbers are Hall of Fame worthy. Unfortunately, he's never had a defense to go with it. So you look at that division, Oh, in New Orleans. I I almost forgot New Orleans. I already talked about them. I, I like Jameis. I don't know that Sean Payton and Jameis are a good match. That division's Tampa's to lose. And then there's the NFC West, which is a good division. The Rams bring in Matthew Stafford, and I think they're the team to beat because of that move. I really like that move. Give McVay the opportunity to really throw it around, and I think Stafford does that. You look at Seattle, they're going to be good if that defense steps up and supports Russell Wilson in the offense. They might have a, a, as good a wide receiver pair, and I know I've said that about a couple teams, but you look at Lockett and Metcalf, those guys are very good. And Russell Wilson, as good as anyone ever throwing the deep ball. 49ers, everyone loves Kyle Shanahan. This is the year Kyle Shanahan needs to win. Look, if Garoppolo's there, he wins in the past. Well, this year, if Garoppolo goes out, you've got Trey Lance, number one or first round quarterback. There is no excuse to not win this year if you're the 49ers. So I got the Rams winning the West, but you've got Seattle and the 49ers as the two wild card teams. As for Arizona, I really like what's going on down there. They've added to that defense. However, Kyler Murray just isn't there yet. Cliff Kingsbury isn't a guy I trust yet, and they're in a division that the three teams ahead of them are better than them. So I think they're a year away. I mentioned the Viking Saints as teams to be interested in. Dallas is always a team to be interested in because of the Cowboys. Everyone's going to watch, and what's going to happen? Well, we'll see where it goes. They finally paid Dak a lot of money. Is he healthy? And I don't mean his ankle. I mean his shoulder Can they run the ball enough without Zach Martin for the opener, likely? Lael Collins, the right tackle, who missed missed all last year, is already dinged. Tyron Smith, who missed all last year, is is old and going to be dinged. Just the way it works. I'm not sure what to expect from the defense. It's got to be better, right? The Giants, Saquon Barkley, is he healthy? Daniel Jones, does he take that step forward? Or next year, is he playing the Mitch Trubisky role? A lot of things to look at on there. <laughs> the last category of teams going into this season is the on-the-clock teams. The following teams are already working towards the draft. The New York Jets, and they're, I think, headed in the right direction with Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. Douglas has done a good job in the draft, like what he's done, They're too young at this point to win. They're in a division that's pretty tough as well. I don't expect them to win more than four or five games. The Jets are already on the clock. The Bengals, Zach Taylor should have been fired at the end of last year. He can coach offense, and the Bengals are going to put up points if Joe Burrow's healthy. They're definitely going to put up points. they got really nice group of receivers with Boyd, Higgins, and this year's first-round pick, Chase, if he catches the ball. He had some drops in the preseason, but we'll see how it transpires. But the Bengals are definitely on the clock. The Jags, a lot of similarities in Jacksonville between Jimmy Johnson going to the Cowboys and Urban Meyer going to the Jaguars. And if you remember the first couple years of Jimmy Johnson, those were lean years. This is a lean year. There's a lot of work to be done. But Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer are going to turn that thing around. Trevor Lawrence is going to do things like Peyton Manning did his rookie year. And everyone thinks of Peyton Manning at the end, the smartest quarterback, in my opinion, in the history of the NFL as far as reading defenses. But early on, I think it was 27 interceptions or 28 interceptions his rookie year. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a rookie year like that, but there's also going to be moments that you're going to look at and be like, wow, this kid is special, and I really think he is. Denver is on the clock because of the quarterback. They play very good defense. They've got excellent skill position players on offense and a decent offensive line. I don't trust Teddy Bridgewater to get them over the hump, and Drew Locke, I think, is a career backup. So the Broncos are on the clock. Philly, like I said, Jalen Hurts, not be- not believing in that, not liking the direction of this team, and I don't know what the direction of the team is. The offensive line has gotten old. They haven't gotten better defensively. They've still got some really good players on defense, on offense. I just don't think there's enough there. I think they're a six- or seven-win team at best. I mentioned the Bears. Why? Why not start him? Why not start Justin Fields? Seriously, what is the what is the answer for that? I don't think there is one. Why is it going to be better? DeAndre Swift, I think, has a chance to be a really good running back. The Falcons, again, you've got Calvin Ridley who's coming into his own. You've got Kyle Pitts who's a freak at tight end. Nobody on defense. The defense is just lacking. And Carolina and Arizona, like I said. Oh, there's one other aspect to the season that I want to get to before I get to my predictions. Coaches that will be fired. Matt Nagy, is he still is he still employed by the Bears? Yeah, okay, I guess he made it to week one. He might not make it to week two. I think Mike Zimmer's time in Minnesota is going to end this year. If they don't make the playoffs... I expect that to happen. Zimmer's been a good coach, and he'll be a good coach somewhere else. But I think this is the year that if they don't make the playoffs, and I don't think they will, I think that's going to be a problem. Jerry Jones doesn't like spending money on coaches that aren't working. However, Mike McCarthy, they're not going to win this year. They're not going to be a playoff team, in my opinion. McCarthy's going to be the guy who gets the ax there. The reality is that the GM hasn't given him anything on defense to work with, but the GM is Jerry. Jerry doesn't fire Jerry. Jerry's going to fire Mike McCarthy. I think John Gruden's going to be done after this year in, in Oakland, I'm sorry, in Las Vegas, not as a head coach. Not He's going to be done as a head coach, but I think they'll keep him within the organization. He and Mark Davis are very tight. I think he'll have a role within the organization. I just think he moves upstairs, doesn't continue to be on the sidelines. Vic Fangio, again, Denver's not going to win this year. They're going to be better, and he's a good defensive mind. They're going to have a good defensive team, just not going to get over the hump, so he'll be gone. Zach Taylor should have been gone last year. And the last coach I think that will be fired, and this is a, this is a long shot, but if the Steelers don't make the playoffs, in large part, it's going to be because of Ben Roethlisberger. I think it's time for Tomlin. And if you look at what the Steelers did in their history, Chuck Knoll to Bill Cower to Mike Tomlin, I think now it's time that Tomlin steps away and it's going to be a huge, huge thing in the NFL, but I expect that to happen. The Rookie of the Year this year, I think Mac Jones is the Rookie of the Year offensively, not Trevor Lawrence, not Zach Wilson, because I think New England's a better team. I I think when you put a quarterback in a situation, you don't ask him to do too much. He's going to have a lot better chance of looking better then guys who are going to be asked to carry their teams, eventually Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, as I mentioned, and Zach Wilson of the Jets. So Mac Jones, in my opinion, will be the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Defensive Rookie of the Year. And this is kind of funny because I just blasted Jerry Jones, the GM, and I just blasted the Cowboys' defense. But Micah Parsons, kid from Penn State, what I saw of him in the preseason, elite quickness, off the edge. Elite quickness at the linebacker position. I think he's going to be a special player and one, hopefully, that the general manager can build around on the defensive side of the ball. MVPs, Josh Allen's a candidate, won't win it. Aaron Donald's going to be a candidate again because he's the best defensive player in football. Russell Wilson, because the Seahawks, again, are going to be very good, and Russell Wilson's going to be very good. Aaron Rodgers is once again going to be a candidate, but this year, it's going back where it was two years ago. Patrick Mahomes will put up big numbers. He's going to be the MVP. Kansas City will host the AFC Championship game. The Bills are going to be in the AFC Championship game. This year, the Bills are going to win the AFC championship game. That's right. I've got the Bills going to the Super Bowl. In the NFC, I mentioned, there's only one team there. It's the Green Bay Packers. Yet, they're not quite good enough, in my opinion, to be a team that you look at as a top AFC team. They're the best, clearly, in the NFC. I wouldn't say they'd be the best in the AFC. The Washington football team's defense, will get them to the championship game and Ryan Fitzpatrick's turnovers will cost them the AFC championship game. So Green Bay wins the the NFC championship and they will face the Bills in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm doing it again. Green Bay is going to beat the Bills. The Bills will go to 0-5 in the Super Bowl and I know a whole bunch of you, I, I led you there, I thought... No, it's not going to happen. They might get it done with this regime. It's not going to be this year. Aaron Rodgers is going to walk out of Green Bay with another ring. That's my prediction. That's where we're going. So that's the NFL preview, and it's now on tape. So when I'm right in February, I can just replay all that and say, see, I told you. Why didn't you listen? This past weekend, college football got back and. Man, it was great. The jump around in in Wisconsin, to see stadiums full, to see the energy. Man, after all we've been through with the pandemic, I I know people are nervous. I understand people are looking at things as super spreader events. Eventually, we got to get back to living our lives. College football showed this weekend to me, people are ready to get back. Man, it was fantastic. I loved it. The big house in Michigan, full. People going crazy. And it was some good football. Penn State going to Wisconsin, beating Wisconsin. It's a hell of a win for the Nittany Lions. That's a big, big win. That's a good team. Wisconsin's going to be a team that's that's going to be competitive this year. That's a huge opening day win. The Notre Dame-Florida State game. Florida State showed that they have come back and and look like a team to be contended with in the ACC. But Notre Dame, who is a team this year, was a chance, in my opinion, to get to the playoff. They hung in there and got it done. The only thing that went bad for Notre Dame was the horrific attempt at humor by Brian Kelly at the end of the game. He tried to Quote John McKay, the former USC and Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach, who during his second consecutive winless season was asked about his team's execution. This is when he was the coach of the Buccaneers, and he said he's all for it. It was a funny line at the time. Brian Kelly was like Tommy Boy trying to to sell brake pads for Zelensky auto parts, he was trying to get a look at a steak by sticking his head up a butcher's ass. It was a horrific attempt at humor by Brian Kelly, but the overreaction—oh my god, people, settle down! I know, I know, social media has been known to overreact in the past, but this was about as bad as it gets. He's certainly not in favor of executing his team. He butchered a line from the past, and I guess if you're not old like me, maybe you didn't remember the John McKay line. But once you heard about it, didn't you go, oh. And by the way, if you're somebody who's not funny, don't try to be funny. Just be a coach. Give it coach speak and move on. Yeah, but Notre Dame, that was a good win. That was a very good win. And the the ratings, television ratings for that game were huge. Big time, people are back into college football. Georgia's defense looks amazing. Holy crap. What they did to Clemson, they just kicked the crap out of Clemson. That defense is really good. Could somebody please explain to me how Alabama loses six number one draft picks and they look as good this year as they did last year? Whatever Nick Saban gets paid isn't enough. And I know he gets paid a ridiculous amount of money. It's not enough. One more thing from this past weekend. Well, I guess two more. One more national before I get local. UCLA, what they did to LSU. Chip Kelly, I thought he was on his way out at UCLA. Maybe Chip Kelly's got a clue. Biggest win since he left Oregon. That was huge and at Ogeron, as much as i like him man dead man walking if he if he's losing on the road to ucla lsu they're they're not known for their patience in, in baton rouge yeah dead man walking there uh one other local i guess week 1 su gets a win at ohio love it Dino Babers getting a win on the road to open the season needed that. I, I have very little confidence in Syracuse this year. I've lost my confidence in Dino Babers as much as I like him personally. I just don't think he's the guy. This week they play Rutgers, and Greg Chiano's back at Rutgers, and Rutgers is, is going to be a pretty good team. This is at the Dome. You want to know the state of Syracuse football and the perception of Syracuse football. If you're looking for something to do, I believe it's 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon, Syracuse hosting Rutgers. Good football game. Really good football team game. You want to sit in the first row of the end zone? Go online, secondary market, $8. First row, end zone, $8 tickets. Yeah, I'm like you. I'm not an end zone guy. I'd like to sit, you know, between the 20s. You want to sit on the 20? We could do that. 23rd row in the 20, $9 tickets, nine. Yeah, the hot dog and beer are going to cost you more than the ticket. I, all right, let's go big. Let's sit at the 50. 14 rows up, 50-yard line, $29 tickets. So if you're looking for something to do Saturday afternoon, I, I got a suggestion. For not very much money, you can go watch... A really good football game, but it just shows that Syracuse is in trouble with its perception. A couple other games this weekend that should be really good. <laughs> there is the University of Washington coming off a bad loss to Montana, playing at the Big House against Michigan. Harbaugh needs a good year this year. Harbaugh needs a 10-win season for sure. And then there's the Cyhawk game, Iowa-Iowa State. Always a good game, always interesting. This year, the first time in that that matchup's history that both teams are ranked. So very good stuff there. Uh, Week two, known for the blowouts. How about these matchups? Mercer is at Alabama. Mercer. Think quick. Where's Mercer? Nobody knows. People who went to Mercer don't know where Mercer is. Oklahoma's hosting West Carolina. Yeah, I'll take West Carolina in 70, please. Backdoor cover. Book it. Major League Baseball is still going on. I know it's September. Pennant races. The Yankees are cooled. They have cooled off. Since their 13 game winning streak, they've lost seven of 10, and they've got issues in the bullpen. Zach Britton's on the IL. Lost for the season, likely. Needs surgery to remove bone chips in his elbow. Jonathan Lewisaga's shoulder fatigue. That's not good. Elbows can be fixed, shoulders are problematic. Luizic has been huge for this Yankee team down the stretch. That's an enormous loss. Couple that with the fact that Aroldis Chapman, for whatever reason, has lost faith in his fastball. The Yankees' bullpen has not been very good. and Right now, they're in the midst of a four-game series against the Blue Jays. Vlad Jr. hit his 40th yesterday. Simeon hit his 36th, I think, yesterday. The Jays are a good young team. And they're not that far behind the Yankees and the Red Sox in the wild card. They're only three games back right now of the Red Sox. Red Sox had a horrendous loss to the Rays yesterday. So the Yankees remain a game ahead of them. Those two teams right now, if the season ended, would be the wild card teams. But the Jays in Seattle are three games back. I don't believe in Seattle. I don't think they're a team that's going to be there. The Indians are three, I'm sorry, the Guardians, give me a break. The Indians are three and a half games back of the Yankees and Red Sox in the wild card. So it it looks like the Yanks should hang on, but this is no picnic. They've got six more games left with Toronto. They've got three at Boston. Those games are going to be huge. They got three at Baltimore and three at Cleveland. Those are games they need to take advantage of. They do have three in Texas. That's in New York. That should be a sweep. They play the horrific Mets this weekend. Going to be pretty cool. No, no, not the fact that likely Diaz will give up a couple more saves. You know, if you're a Mets fan like me, you have my sympathies. They've lost the last two games to the Nationals in games that they should not have lost. But, you know, it happens, I guess. Right, Horrible loss yesterday And then the Yankees have 3 at Tampa This weekend Will mark the 20th anniversary of 9-11 And you know It's a moment and a day That we will all remember For the rest of our lives If you remember After 9-11 when sports came back And it was very meaningful George Bush at the time Coming back to throw out The first pitch at Yankee Stadium The Mike Piazza Homer against the Braves in the first game back in New York. Just incredible emotions. This weekend, the Mets and Yankees playing on 9-11 on Saturday. Joe Torrey and Bobby Valentine, the managers of the teams at the time, will throw out the opening pitch, Valentine throwing to Torrey. That's going to be a very, very cool moment this weekend. Some other stuff I got to get to before I shut up for the week. The tour championship on the PGA tour. You play all year to get to the FedEx Cup playoffs. It's a cool thing. The FedEx FedEx Cup playoffs are really a cool thing. And you pare down the number of golfers. It's a very cool thing. And then you get to the tour championship where only 30 players play. Last place gets like $450,000. Believe me, guys are grinding to get to the Tour Championship. You get there, it's at Eastlake, a historic course near Atlanta that was has all this Bobby Jones legend. Well, guess what? There's a lot of history there, but the course itself is as bland as it comes. I I really just don't think it translates to TV. Some courses are great on TV. Some courses aren't. This course isn't. This year Patrick Cantlay won the Tour Championship. Why? Cuz he had a two-stroke advantage going into the tournament. This is the dumbest thing in sports. It's like starting guys with handy it's like you're playing a handicap. This isn't the first flight at the club championship. This is supposed to be the club championship. There is no two-stroke advantage to start. I I love everything about the FedEx Cup playoffs. Except the tour championship. The venue sucks. The format sucks. Other than that, it's great. How was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? It really is a bad, bad format. Oh, and Bryson DeChambeau got another ruling. The guy just can't help himself. It's going to be fun to watch what happens with Bryson, even on American soil in the Ryder Cup that's coming up in a couple weeks out at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. If he doesn't play well, I really expect the American fans to turn on him in that situation. I mentioned off the top, I was uh, part of a broadcast for a high school football game. It was Aquinas against Victor. Aquinas had a lead with under 10 seconds to go, blew a coverage. Victor throws a touchdown pass to force overtime. And this was the best part. I'm on the sideline getting ready to grab the player of the game and do an interview for the TV broadcast. They tie it up, and I turned to the athletic director at Victor and I said, "Hey, is there overtime?" He's like, "I don't know. We're making a call now to find out." Nobody knew if there was overtime in high school football. In case you're wondering, yes, there is, and Aquinas beat Victor in overtime to get the win. A heck of a high school football game. And you know, I talked about college football and the normalcy of packed stadiums and how great that felt. High school football scene, the parents there and all the people that were very much into the game. It was great to see. It was great to be part of. Great football game. Love high school football. Go into games. It's just something that if you ever played it and growing up, it it brings it back. And, it, and it's a wonderful thing. Check it out. The NFL has a quarterback situation that they've not had, and they haven't handled well at all, in my opinion. The Deshaun Watson situation's a mess. He's on the 53-man roster. He's getting paid. He's not suspended, but he's not going to play. And if I'm the Texans, screw it. The NFL doesn't want him out there? Well, they should suspend him. They haven't done that. I'd play him. I I don't know why he's not playing, frankly. I I mean, I do. 22 women have accused him of sexual assault, and it's a bad look for the league. But the league hasn't done anything about it. So now you're forced to pay this guy almost $40 million a year to not play. That's the greatest vacation in the history of vacations. It's just bizarre. The league really should do something about that. College football has had his first coaching change. Randy Etzel's out at UConn. After a week one loss and then a week two performance of the team not showing up, he announced he was done at season's end. The team had obviously quit on him. If you saw the clip on the sideline where the defensive coach came in and got in everyone's face, got him fired up, put his hand up for all his team to, you know, one, two, three team type thing, and players just turned and walked away. It was a bad, bad look on film. It's a bad situation in UConn. And holy crap, two games in, we're, September 6th, you're, you're making a coaching change. Unbelievable. And, and Randy Etzel, he's getting paid good money from UConn, immediately removed. And the last part, and, and this is a public service announcement, right? This is one of those where I try to help you. Because, I care for you. I care about you. So this is me looking out for you. And this is so important. Remember this. Nobody gives a crap about your fantasy football team. I don't care who you drafted in the third round. Do you want to hear my team that I drafted last night? No, of course you don't. Because nobody gives a rat's ass about anyone else's fantasy football team. Unless you're playing the guy, unless you lost to the guy, No. Hey, fifth round sleeper. (laughs) I got this. No, stop. And if you put, I don't care who you are, how many followers you have. If you put your fantasy football team on Twitter, you're a loser. Remember that nobody cares about your damn fantasy football team. Opening night is Thursday night. Let's get ready to have some fun. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Carl Falk. This is the Falking' Around Podcast.